Father, as we begin this study, we ask for your Holy Spirit that we may see the lesson you have us to learn about your character this afternoon. And may our minds be focused on you is our prayer. And may we truly kneel at the foot of the cross in everything that we think. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What are we to glory in? Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, 24. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his what? Might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory, glory in this, that he understand and what? Knows me. I want you to remember that word know. We're going to go through that a little bit in the beginning. That he understand and knows me, God says, and that I and the Lord was exercised loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So we're not to glory in our knowledge, our wisdom, what we know, our intellectual knowledge, in our power, our positions and all that we have. We're not to glory in our money and the things we possess. But if we're to glory in anything that is out there, we are to glory in that we, what? We know God. Now, how important is it to know God? Why is it important? Okay, turn to John 17, verse 3 in your Bible. John 17, verse 3. And let's see what the Bible says. John 17, verse 3. Why is it important to know God? The Bible says here, This is life eternal, that they might... What is that word? No. Sound familiar? They might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So, eternal life is based upon knowing God. Now, the Bible, at certain points, it just... It shows knowing God, and sometimes it skips several steps, and it goes to the end. This one, it did that here. Know God, and then it went all the way to the end, eternal life. So we're going to fill in some blanks here. And how did you get knowing God to eternal life? Now, this knowing is the same as found in Genesis 4, verse 1, where Adam, right, knew Eve, you know that, and they conceived an intimate knowing of who God is. And I want to know God this morning. How about you? What do you say, huh? Amen? Now, what happens when we... Know God's character. Um, in your handout here, I made it easier for you so we can go through the beginning. First John 4 verse 8, you know that? He that loveth not, nor it what? Not God, for God is what? Love. So the reason why people don't love is because they don't what? Know God, right? So here you have here, if you know God, you will what? Love God. So that's where we learn the inspiration. Look at the quotation here from Desire of Ages, page 22. It says here, Only by love is love awakened. To know God is to what? Love, love Him. So if you know God, you will love God. You will love God. So to know God is to love God. Notice the diagram there. Now, what will happen when we love God? Look at the next John 14, 23 in your handout here. This is speed up a couple of texts I put in there. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he what? He will. He will keep my what? Words. He will be obedient. He will keep my commandments, right? 
So you will be obedient. In other words, if you love God, you will be obedient to God. And does not God need people who need to be obedient in these last days? What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen. So here we have here, let me go step by step. You must know God first, right? And if you know God, what will happen? You will what? Love God. And you tell me, after you, if you love God, what will you truly do? You will what? Obey. Obey God. There's another text in John 14 that says, if you love me, right, keep my commandments, right? And so that's what God, that's, this is the progression we're looking at here um, in what it's saying in these texts. Now, if you look at your diagram, um, I laid it out for you, and it says here, if you know God, you will love God, and then if you love God, you will obey God, right? And then we also know in Revelation 22, verse 14, that those who obey God's commandments will have access to the what? tree of life, right? And in Genesis, remember in chapter 3, they put a sword, an angel with a sword to protect it because whoever ate of the tree of life will have what? Eternal life. Eternal life, right? So now you have here, if you know God, you will what? Love God. If you love God, you will what? Obey God. You obey God, you have access to the what? And those who eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree of life will have what? Uh, John chapter 17, verse 3. And that's what it says, if you know God, you have eternal life. That's clear. Let me hear you say amen. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that's, that's how it progresses. Now, here's the problem. I believe that many times what we do is, as Christians today, we focus upon the teachings of the end part, do we not? The effect, how the fruit look like. We look at the, the uh, obedience, right, which is good, and we focus upon the eternal life of being saved, which is good, right? We need all those things. But the problem is that we don't give people the, the power and empowerment to reach the end. And how do, what are we missing out? I think I believe we're missing out. We're missing out. We're getting to obeying God and eternal life, right? Especially in present truth circles, right? Knowing what we need to do, last day events. But the, the challenge I'm seeing you know, within my churches and also among present truth is that um, um, what I've been involved in, and myself, I'm talking especially about myself, I'm really sharing my testimony, is that my emphasis on the eternal life and obeying God, I've totally missed out the beginning steps. And otherwise says we need to reason from cause to what but you cannot you can't just focus on the effect what it looks like you're not going to reach there unless you focus on the what cause right and where's the cause the cause is actually in the knowing god and the loving god if that's clear let me hear say amen amen, amen. and that's our emphasis in other words we're telling people what happens if you're just telling people what obedience looks like which is good and obtaining eternal life which is good but you're not giving them the power to do it with the knowing and the loving, then you're like Paul in Romans chapter 7, right? He knowing what he should be doing, but he's not doing it, right? And that's what I think God wants his people to understand. And that's, what I, that's like my experience. I've been in my walk with God, and I'm just showing you what my experience I've, I've gone through. Okay, so now Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20. Now, let's look at why was a Sabbath given? Now, I want you to think about this. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20. Everything we talked about. Now, let's look at the Sabbath. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20 in your Bibles. Why was the Sabbath given? The Bible says, And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you that you may what? There's that word again. No, 
that I am the Lord your God, that you may know that I am God. So the re- what was the reason why the Sabbath was given? That we may what? Know God. We may know God, our Creator. We may know the Creator God. We may know who God is. And that's why the Sabbath, I want you to notice, and that's why it makes sense, because once a week, what's happening on Saturday, or should be happening, we, we're not working, right? We actually take a day of rest. But what are we doing on that day? We are spending what? Time with who? God. Now, what happens when you spend in any relationship? What happens in a relationship you start spending time with someone? You get to what? You get to know them. Is that true? You get to know them. And as you get to know them more is by spending time with that person, what normally happens? You, you, well, normally happens, but some of you love, you get to love, especially in God's point, in God's case, you always love God if you knew who he really is. You love God, and if you love God, you will be obedient to God. In other words, the Sabbath is not only placed at the end of this cycle of the effects of the gospel, but the Sabbath is special because it is placed at the beginning of this cycle. Do you see that? A cause to effect. Where, if you look at your handout here, it says, in other words, the Sabbath was meant that you were to know God, right? Sabbath, you get, if you spend time with God, you will get to know Him. And if you know God, you will what? Love, love God. God. And if you love God, you will what? Obey God, and that is eternal life. That's clear. Let me hear you say amen. Amen? Amen. So that's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is, yes, at the end, obedient. But the Sabbath is at the beginning. The Sabbath is at the beginning. Now, let me show you a quotation. In other words, let me say this. In other words, if you were to keep truly spiritually, not this externally and this resting or not working on the Sabbath, but if you were to truly keep the Sabbath for its original intent, if you were to keep the Sabbath day truly holy and obey that one commandment, you would keep all of the other commandments because the Sabbath is righteousness by faith. You would keep it all. It is not true for any other commandment. If you just keep, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not steal, you wouldn't keep all the other commandments. But if you were to keep what we just followed through, and you would keep just the Sabbath commandment, you would keep all the commandments of God. Now you're wondering where I got that from. Uh, a prophet. Special <laughs> testimonies to Battle Creek Church, pamphlet 8632, inside your handout. Notice what she says. The sign of obedience is the observance of the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. If men keep the fourth commandment, they will keep all the rest. What do you say, church? Amen? Amen. I'm going to read it again. If men keep the fourth commandment, they will keep all the rest. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, God gave us a Sabbath as a message of righteousness by faith for God's people in the last days. It's a, it's, it's a memorial of His creation. Yes, it's one of the commandments we put at the end all the time, right? Do we not? Because God said so and, you know, because we need to keep all of God's com- Ten Commandments, which is true. But primarily the focus of the Sabbath was it was placed in the beginning. It makes sense because one day a week, God put the Sabbath there at the time to come away from the cares of this world and to focus on knowing who God is and a relationship with God. And if you get to know God more by spending 24 hours with God in one day, you will know God more. True? Amen. You will love God more. True? And you will be obedient to God because you want, you, know, you want to obey the one you love. And that's the purpose of God's Sabbath. What a beautiful message God has given in His remnant church in these last days. What do you say, huh? Amen.
Now, let's look at another text. Romans chapter um, 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 in your Bibles. How else does the Sabbath help us to know God? So we know that once a week is a time we get away from our worldly cares and relationships um, that we may have through work or whatever it is, and events. And God wants us to spend time with Him. But there's another reason why the Sabbath draws us near to God to know Him. Because to know God is eternal life. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, For the invisible things... Now, Invisible things. Can you see things that are invisible? No, you cannot. So the things that you cannot see of Him from the creation of the world are what? Clearly what? Seen. So the Bible is saying here that what you cannot see, you can clearly see. What do you say, huh? Amen? So you, what you cannot see, you can clearly see, the Bible says. And what else it says here? The invisible things, the things you cannot see from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are what? Made. Now, what is, what is made? What did God make? The heavens and the earth. Creation, right? So, in other words, through creation out there, everything that God created, it reveals the heavens, or God's creation, um, reveal the glory or the character of God, right? So nature preaches about God's glory, His love. And so every Sabbath, remember the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation, right? So every Sabbath, whenever we go come to the Sabbath, not only is it a time where we spend time with God and we get to know God, but the Sabbath also focus, helps us to focus upon nature and His creation because in His creation, as we go out and see His beautiful works, it reveals and another aspect besides His Word, a different picture of God's character of love. And when you see God's love in nature, when you open up His Word, when you spend time with Him, you get to know God, then you will love God, and then you will obey God. So, another handout I have, Sabbath reveals spending time with God, but also His creation that reveals His love. You get to know God, love God, obey God, and that is eternal life. What a wonderful God we serve, huh? Amen? The Sabbath is much more special. God's remnant people will understand that this is actually a salvational issue in the sense not only of the end works that needs to be done, but it's a salvation issue that it separates between righteousness by works and righteousness by what? Faith. Faith and knowing who God is. What a wonderful God, God, God is. What a wonderful message God has given to His church. He's given His message for His remnant people in the last days and is going to separate the two parties. Now, in other words... They have rest. God's people have a special rest. Now turn me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 in your Bibles. Now how are we saved? The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of what? Works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace through faith. But our works do have a part in salvation. In other words, whenever we experience the transforming grace of God in our lives, it will produce 
works in our life. What do you say, huh? Amen? It would change us. In other words, God's, God's love manifested in our lives and transforming us. It would be revealed in good works. In other words, when we're saved and experience God's transforming power, we produce those good works. But if we don't have those good works, that is proof, and I tell people, that is proof that we have not experienced a transforming power of God in our lives. You know, that's what I look at. It's kind of like a symptom, right? If you get, you get like a rash, there's something going on right underneath. There's something that happened to your skin. You have to reason from cause to effect. And so when I start struggling spiritually or when I realize that, hey, wait a minute, I'm going back to my old ways, that is a sign that something's wrong with my going back from cause to effect. I need to go back. So what I do is I go backwards. If my obedience, something's wrong with my obedience, I go backwards. Why am I not being obedient? Because... I've fallen out of love in Revelation chapter 2, right? Why did I fall in love? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not really spending time to know God. I'm learning more about, about Him, but I've been off focus in my walk with God. And I get to know God. And then why is that? Maybe I'm not really using the Sabbath as a means to actually spend the time with God that God wants me um, to do in that day. So that's, what the, that's the walk that God has been showing me in my, in my relationship with Him. And not just an external, like I was shared in Sabbath school this morning, not just an external going through the motions of um, being a Christian, but actually having a true experience in the heart. And I want that walk with God. Yeah. Okay, turn to me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. When it comes to doing good works, what is God's part and what is our part? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Notice the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You know, many... There are many times where, or many years, I believe that, okay, there, there it is. You work out your own salvation. We have to do. But, you know, there's a part that God does and we do. You know, inspiration says that we are to work out our own salvation. But we are to work out on the outside, right, that who works on the inside. The Bible says here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ellen White says fear and tremble, that you don't trust in your own works. Fear and trembling, for it is God which works where? In you. To will and to do of His good pleasure. God, in other words, when God transformed, of course it makes sense, because before Reformation, you must have a revival, right, on the inside. So God wants to transform you. When He transforms you on the inside, you're going to work out what God, naturally, what God works on the inside. Where did I get that? Christ Object Lessons, page 355 inside of your handout. Notice what it says. Looking unto Jesus, we obtain brighter and more distinct views of God. And by beholding, we become changed. So when you look upon Jesus and His love, beholding that, it changes you and me. And then it says here, goodness, because we have no goodness within us, goodness, love for our fellow men, becomes our, what? Natural, what? Instinct. What is a natural instinct? It's automatic. Can you imagine that? Automatically, you're doing good. Automatically, you have a natural instinct. Why? Because God changed your heart. He took out your heart of, fle- of stone and He gave you a heart of flesh. And He changed your life. And you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. And it becomes a natural instinct. 
Now, when somebody throws a ball at you, and in the corner of your eye, you see that ball, you ever been this, and you kind of duck without even thinking? What is that? That's natural instinct. I was teaching my daughter how to uh, change the brakes on a, on a car. So I like to kind of teach her. And so I'm teaching her how, and she's, I mean, just pulling out the clips and simple things, and I finally we got to fix it. But we're all done. We put the tires back on, and then finally I, uh, we did all four brakes, you know, the front and the back. And I'm looking at the car, and then I, I, I forgot to do one thing after. I forgot to pump the brakes. So here I am. I, um, I go back into the, it was at the church. I went back in. Um, and then I was, I was late for a meeting. Like, oh, I got to go to a meeting. So I, I ran outside, jumped in my car, started it up, pressed it in without thinking of brakes, and went in oh, all the way, <laughs> and a little bit. And I put it in reverse, and then I reverse it. And I'm, I'm late, right? So I step on the gas, and I go really fast, and I'm headed straight for the church shed. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going back here, and then I let go, and then I press it, and I went all the way in, and I didn't really stop. So I had two options. Either I, well, I had several options. One, I could actually scream my head off out the window. Right? <laughs> Another option, I could um, keep pumping, but that wouldn't be enough time. Or I could pull the handbrake. Luckily, I pulled the handbrake. <laughs> I pulled the handbrake, and it started slowing down, and I still hit the shed. <laughs> And boom. My wife said, what's going on? I heard a big um, commotion back here. I heard a big bang. And um, lucky it was uh, the fender was in, but I kind of popped it out. It was okay. But that was a natural instinct to me. I naturally pulled it out without even thinking. Because if, think, if I was there thinking, okay, now, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to hit the shed, and I'm going to put my hand out and grab it. How am I going to do this? But it says here that, when you have behold Christ, when you behold his, um, you have more distinct views of God, and by beholding his, his love, his character, goodness, love for a fellow men becomes our natural instinct. Amen. You ever find it hard trying to obey God and serve yes. him? Could it be that we're going through the motions on the external, but the internal has not been transformed by the love of God? Could that be possible? I've been there. Amen. And I've been there where my inside was not been trans, has not been transformed. And I was going through the motions on the outside. Now, there was one time where I had the inside. God transformed me. I experienced His love in my life. Uh, God was working and, and moving in my life, and I was gladly serving Him. But I got, I've been pastoring in Hawaii conference um, 12, 13 years, and in the beginning, I was on, on fire for God. I loved God. I was really much into present truth back then and, and, and still am. But I was so much into it, you know, so much into the, the truth and studying prophecy and evangelism. And, you know, God bless, in, even with the churches I'm in, in evangelism. And they're all good. You know, I love evangelism. It brought back to life our churches, one of our churches especially. It really brought it back to life. And I praise God for that. But you know what? In doing all these good things, I lost my first love. Could that be possible, you think? Yes. Yep. Happens all the time. Too often, sadly. That's what happened. And so what God has taught me is that I needed to go back. I need to step back. And then I noticed that my external obedience, it was not real obedience because I could be looking good on the outside, but then my heart was somewhere else. You ever been there too? And looking good and looking sharp on the outside, everybody thinks you're doing well, but then my heart was not converted. I lost my conversion. 
And I was honest. I shared my memories. As a pastor, how's this? As a pastor, I lost my conversion. And I, believe, I really believe that many of us need to be more real with God. What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen. And I, I tell you, I lost it. And this was my journey back. I had to realize that it's not on the external obedience because the heart is deceitful. You can fool yourself into believing that you're, you're, you're right with God, that you are saved, that your heart is truly converted as a one saved. You cannot depend upon a past conversion experience for your current where you walk with God. It's impossible. You can't do that. You have to go back. You have to reason from cause and effect. Something's wrong with my walk. I have to be honest with God. Maybe I look good on the outside, but inside there's pride, there's selfishness. I'm not experiencing that true conversion I once had. And when I experienced that, I realized I had to go backwards. My obedience, I had to go, I don't love God. I had to come to the conclusion that the reason why I'm not being obedient, not only externally, but internally, with pride and selfishness, is because I do not love God anymore like I once used to. Because it, really, if you love God, you will obey Him. And the more you love God, the more you will obey Him, right? Yeah. And the reason why we're not obeying God is because we really do not love God. And that truth hurt me and it stung. And we're not being obedient. God's church is not obedient. And God's not looking for external obedience. Just to pass a, you know, a policy or union code, or whatever it is, or, or initiative. I've been to so much initiatives in the conference. You know, when I first start off initiatives I, as a new pastor, whatever they sent down, I open and rip it up, and I, I get so excited and do everything that was passed down. You know, after a while, I, my, my elders, I mean, I throw all my mail away because the, the Holy, it's like the Holy Spirit is the right program. If we can just find the right program, then the last days will come. The, pro, the latter rain is, the Holy Spirit is not a program. Right? Do we make it an initiative or whatever it is? The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit never contradicts the Word of God. The latter rain is a, is a message, beloved. And God has given us a message. It's through the Holy Spirit. And so God had taught, he had to, he had to reveal this to me that I had lost my love for God. I do not obey Him truly from the heart. And therefore I looked at my love and I had to come to the conclusion. And you have to be realistic with God. And I realized that I do not love God. And then I came to the conclusion that, why don't I love God? Then a quotation came from the spirit of prophecy. Because I really do not, what? I don't know him. I used to know him, but I do not know him today. And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves. I think that's the question you need to ask yourself. And I, ask, I need to ask myself every single day. Do I know God? And I think... Um, you know, we can have all the external obedience. We can force all the church members to be obedient externally, but that's not going to bring the latter rain, right? We need a heart reform, transformation in the heart, revival in the heart. True. And you know, prayer is good. Prayer is good. And we need to seek the Lord. It's very important. But you know, even the motivation of prayer needs to be right. What do you say, huh? Amen? Because look at the, the prophets of Baal. They were... No, Elijah came out, he said a short prayer, right? Because he was a man of God who had the right relationship with God. But the prophets of Baal, they were praying all day long with the wrong motivation. In other words, just because for the many prayers, they were not heard. God is looking for people who are truly experienced heart reform and being transformed in their lives. I want that. How about you, huh? Amen? Amen. That's what we need in these last days. True reformation of the heart. Now, how important is this? 
Well, look at, let's turn to a text. Revelation chapter 14, verse... This is the final conflict, verse 11. Well, let's go... Um, this is the... Look at verse uh, 9, the third in his message. Notice what it says here. Now, in other words, God gives us his Sabbath as a rest, right, from our works. In other words, it reveals that we're, we can't save ourselves, right? And then God, here's the message of the third angel's message. It says here, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, we learn that is um, worship, the false worship, right, a Sunday worship. Notice what it says here. The saints shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is to be poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And those who worship on this false day, notice what it says, and they have no one rest day or night. And the reason why they have no rest is because they are trying to earn and work their salvation. They have not experienced the Sabbath rest of righteousness by faith. They, they believe that they can actually save themselves through their own works that they're trying to do. And so the final great conflict is not only a day which God is going to be placed out, which is true, but primarily is that God is setting out a line between those who are worshiping God and actually are depending upon His salvation, His grace to save them, Compare with the people out there who will be worshiping on the wrong day and depending upon their own works to save themselves. We don't, they're seeking for rest, but they never get it. But you know, we could actually be going on the right day externally, true, but not have the rest on the inside. Is that possible, you think? In other words, externally we may be obedient to keeping God's seven-day Sabbath, right? But we could be just like those with the Sunday worship. On the inside, we have no rest because we have not experienced the transforming love of God within our own hearts. And that's what God wants for His people. That is the last message that God wants, especially for the 30th message, for His people to understand, especially in these last days. So as we change on the inside, we'll be changed on the outside. That's clear. Let me hear you say amen. 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 Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Let's continue about the Sabbath. Genesis 2, verse 3. What did God do on the seventh day that wasn't done on any other day? Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says, and God, what does it say? Blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, was God created and made. So in other words, you know, God is so loving. He sends a blessing upon the good people and the evil, does he not? He sends this rain on the just and the unjust, right? The sun on the good and the evil. In other words, God blesses everyone. There's a blessing for every single person out there. God loves and blesses every single person out there in this world. That's who he is. But I want you to notice that there is a special blessing that God reserves only for the Sabbath that is not found anywhere else. And this blessing is called the Sabbath blessing. Isn't that beautiful, beloved? Amen? Amen. It's a beautiful blessing God reserves only for those who experience true rest within the hearts and externally also. Now, Acts 3 verse 26. Why did God send His Son Jesus 
to bless us. Turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 26 in your Bibles, please. Amen. Unto you, it says here, first God, having raised his son Jesus, sent him to what? Bless. bless you. Now, why does God bless you for? For what purpose? What does it say next? To bless you in turning away every one of you from his what? Iniquities or sins. So the reason why God blesses us is so that we will turn from our sins, right? So God blesses us. He initiates and He blesses us first so that we will turn away from our sin. Why is it sometimes we say that if I turn away from my sin, God then will bless me? True. Now, there's natural cause and effect where there's a special blessing by doing it, but only by heart obedience, right? A natural law that happens. But in this text, it's saying here that God here, He blesses you first, and He gives you this blessing. Why? So that you have victory over sin in your life. In other words, the blessings come down first to you. He reveals His glory, His character, His goodness, His name to you. He reveals all this to you. Why? For the purpose that when you see this love of God and beholding it, it transforms you so much that you would then turn away from your sin. Beloved, I want to suggest to you that it's God that initiates first His love, and we only respond to that love. What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen. And God gives us His blessing. In other words, God blesses us first. Then we turn away from our sin. And because we turn away from that sin, guess what? There's an extra blessing from turning away from that sin. What a wonderful God we serve. But you cannot turn away without first God giving you His blessings. And He gives it to everybody. That's the God we serve. Now let's apply to the Sabbath. Why did God give the Sabbath? In other words, we learn in Genesis that the Sabbath was, what did God do for the Sabbath day? He what? Blessed it. In other words, there is a Sabbath blessing. True? So the purpose of the Sabbath blessing is also, in other words, God gave us a Sabbath blessing down to us for the purpose also of having victory over sin in my life and your life. That's why in the last days, the Sabbath is a crucial point in the last crisis. It's going to reveal people who have true obedience in the heart over sin in their lives, not only externally, but internally also. Amen. And that's the final great conflict. And they will have rest in their lives because of trusting in a God who loves them. Now, we know that we're to rest uh, from our works. Now, on the sixth day, who was who created on the sixth day? Man, right? We were created. In other words, we created. And then what happened on the seventh day? God rested and we re blessed it. And did we rest too? We rested, right? And then what did we do on Sunday? We worked, right? The first day of six days, you shall labor, right? Do all your work. So I want you to notice what happened here. In other words, on Friday, God created a new heart, I'm going to parallel it now to us. God, in righteousness by faith, God creates a new heart within you and I, right? Amen? In other words, you cannot save yourself. God creates a new heart, and then we're to rest in the perfect salvation that God has already given to us. 
And because of that, then we do works. In other words, we experience, is in your handout, we experience a, a new heart, a new creation. And we experience a new creation first, then we work, right? But I want you to notice what the, the counterfeit Sabbath does. And this is what the counterfeit Sabbath does. In other words, they believe in an evolution that you slowly change and get better, right? And then the Sunday worship, what else do they do? What are they doing on Saturday? Are they resting or working? Ah, so they work first. And then what do they do on Sunday? They're supposed to be resting, so-called. But they never receive that rest, right? So that's righteousness by works. See, God gives us a Sabbath to reveal Christ's righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith that God creates a new heart within us at the Sabbath, right? He creates a new heart within us. Then we rest. And because we rest in that, God then transforms us. Then we do works. That's righteousness by faith. Where's my works? The Sunday opposite in the great controversy, especially in the third in his message, they work for us and they're trying to earn the salvation. And because of that, they're trying to get rest on the next day, but they never get that rest in Revelation chapter 14. And that's what God wants his people to realize that the Sabbath was meant for righteousness by faith rather than righteousness by works. Um, last text, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. What did God want us to know about the Sabbath? Moreover, moreover also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that, what is that word? Sanctify. Make them holy. That's what God wants to do. In other words, God is to remind us. The Sabbath is made by God to us, for us, as a reminder to us that it is God who created the heavens and the earth, and also that is a reminder that it's God who recreates the heart within every single one of us. So this is what the Sabbath does to me. When I, when I go on the Sabbath, it should be, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, it should be a reminder to you and I. It reminds me every week. Every time during the week, I'm trying to do things to earn favor with God, that God will bless me, that God will save me. When I get to the Sabbath day, it should be a reminder that it is God that saves me and not me myself. The Sabbath also reminds me that when I go through the week and I'm trying to actually change myself without the indwelling internal power of God's love in my heart, the end of the week, the Sabbath, when I come to the Sabbath, and I look at it, it should remind me that it is God that sanctifies me, it changes me, and that I can't do myself. And that's what the Sabbath does. That Sabbath was meant to reveal a God who loves us. You see, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made as a, supposed to be a benefit and a burden. If you just put, I believe, if you just put the Sabbath at the end, you know, it's one of the things, and you forget the whole plan of salvation of knowing God and loving God. Can it not become a burden? It's been a burden to me in the past as another thing to do. But when I realized that the Sabbath was actually a day where I could get to know this God more, that I may love this God more, that I can I be obedient to, this, to, to my God, then it transformed the way I saw God. It transformed my, my picture of what I saw the Sabbath, that the Sabbath was made as a benefit for me. In other words, God gave us a Sabbath to be a blessing and not a curse. Amen. I want to experience the Sabbath blessing of knowing, loving, and serving my Creator. 
How about you? Amen. That's your desire, then uh, would you raise your hand with me? Let's see. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath. And may we truly see what you want us to see in getting to know you so that we may love you and thus be obedient to you with all of our hearts. Lord, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.